You're listening to Codecast Zambia, brought to you by Agora Code. We are growing the community of developers across Zambia, one line of code at a time. Hey guys, welcome to the fifth episode of Codecast. I'm your host, Mukuma, and we have a lot in store for you on this episode. Uh, today's topic is called building communities, and we're talking about everything related to developer communities, um, what's happening around the world, what's happening in Zambia, and what we can do to make our communities thrive. I have a special guest, <laughs> pretty excited about it, and uh, I'll allow him to introduce himself. All right, my name is Daniel Piri. I'm a student in India, Paro University. I'm a developer advocate at Hasura, hackathon director, community lead at Unified, which I think is most important for today's discussion. That's pretty cool. Uh, as you've noticed, it's just the two of us today, uh, Wesley, Elias, and Cynthia send their apologies. They'll be back on the next episode. And it's actually sad to say this is our last episode of the year, 2018. We resume in January. Uh, we kind of have to take a break, guys. It's, uh, it's been a long year. A worthy guest for the last episode. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And as per custom, we're going to kick it off with some news. And um, first off the bat, this past week, um, Instagram notified some users that their passwords had been exposed due to a security bug. So if, if you didn't know, uh, GDPR came into place in April. April yeah. this year, right? And if you don't know what GDPR is, it's basically a general data protection regulation um, that the EU has put in place to kind of protect its users from uh, the many troubles of the internet. <laughs> and uh, some of these things uh, include uh, the right for your information to be deleted completely if you... If that actually happens. If you so wish. I mean, that's a debate for another day. <laughs> uh, but I must put it out there. I feel like my data is forever on the internet. I press delete or not, it's still there, like yes. somewhere on a server. If not on their servers, on someone else's servers, but it's still there. I think I think so. You think so, right? So basically, uh, those security uh, feature rolled out in April, and for some strange reason, some users were able to have their passwords included in a URL on their browser, and uh, that were that was stored in um, Facebook servers. And this these passwords apparently were in plain text. There's a lot of uh, um, there's, a, there's, there, there's no clear indication of how these passwords were actually stored. Instagram maintains that they hash their passwords, so there's no way it could have been in plain text. So I guess we have to go with what they say. I mean, clearly they're lying, though. If people had their you know passwords shown in their browser in plain text, then clearly they don't hash their passwords. Anyway, evil cop. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this is more drama on Facebook because um, I think just this week, there were more issues, Russia, and how Cheryl neglected to tell us that Russia was involved in 2016 elections. It's crazy, like, people are calling for senior officials to be fired and stuff like that. Well, it's, it's crazy. It's official now, like, Facebook said, like, okay, yeah, we, we did that. Well, I don't quote me, but <laughs> it's, it's in the media, okay. and uh, they feel like Facebook should own up. There's speculation that Mark wasn't even in the discussions around actually releasing official statements around Russia's involvement in in the election and stuff like that. It's crazy. I don't know, it goes back to, you know, what these companies have and the policies and the leadership really and what they're doing to, you know, back to GDPR again. Yeah, I guess so. 
so if you don't know what GDPR is, especially if you're a developer, please look it up. You might uh, develop a website and you'll find out that people in the EU aren't able to see your information. Yeah. So please look it up and make sure you comply. It's actually not so hard. Yeah, especially if you want to reach towards that, you know, European demographic. You have to be GDPR compliant. Yeah, definitely. Your end? Uh, okay, so something really interesting that I came up, that I saw on Twitter actually is that Uber, although it's in Kenya already, they want to take advantage of of the buses, the minibuses. We call them minibuses here. Yeah, I think they call them matatas there. Mm-hmm. I'm not very sure. Sorry, Kenya, if I said that wrong. Um, so it's really interesting because like some time, some time back there was uh, a solution here being crafted for mm-hmm. minibuses but it came to a stall because of, let me just say politics and you see uh, an outside company is coming into Africa and creating a solution based on a problem they saw that we could have solved yeah. if we didn't have all these issues surround like you know all these issues that you know politics brought up. And, you know, like, it's, because usually when you look at a minibus and these, you know, public trans- transport, yeah, public service vehicles, rather, mm-hmm. they are practically empty sometimes. And Uber has seen that, like, there's money to be taken from those empty seats. And that's profit for them. And that's a loss for us. So, it's so, really interesting. So, wait, just, ju- just to kind of dwell on this a little more, who do we blame, really? Like, we can blame the government and all these politics, but isn't there something we can do that... Isn't there a lot more we can do beyond uh, all these regulation challenges and whatnot? Yeah, okay. Honestly, I feel like at the end of the day, the government shouldn't control what we do. We should, like, you know, we shouldn't be reliant on the government and we should, you know, give our own solutions for our own problems and just, you know, forge ahead, regardless of whether the policies are for us or against us. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the power of technology, right? Definitely. Definitely. And this kind of reminds me of one aspect of the news I want to talk about, which is, drumroll, the developer conference, first ever uh, in our very sweet nation. Yeah, history was made at UNSA. Yeah, so when was that? 17th of November. 17th November. And uh, it was was really fun. And the reason I point to this is one of the speakers mentioned uh, the... um, there used to be Millennium, uh, what, Millennium Development Goals? S- SDGs. Now the SDGs, oh, no, right? Oh, yeah, we changed it. Uh, I, I forget what the S is. Sustainable. Sustainable, yeah, Sustainable Development Goals. Yeah. And we, we have about 15 of them, right? 19, I think. 19. I okay. There okay. are a lot. Uh, there are a lot. Uh, and each one of them represents a problem. Mm-hmm. And if we, if each of us take one problem and try to solve it using technology, we're basically killing a lot of a lot of birds with like one stone. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's what like I think that was the keynote, right? Yeah. And that's what he highlighted. You know, like just look at an SDG, look at your skills, and then try and use your skills and just focus on solving one particular goal. And if each person just focuses on one SDG, yeah. In ten, even five years, this place could be much better than it is today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, it was a it was a very good experience for me, and uh, I enjoyed a lot of the keynotes, a lot of presentations. Really, uh, one particular one that struck me was um, well, to be honest, a lot of them really struck me. But uh, geomatics and uh, land surveying uh, with Medim that was really cool. A different perspective on how to look at uh, life as a developer. Mm-hmm. We always talk about being a generalist and being. Um, 
uh, being a specialist as well. Mm-hmm. But that, that shouldn't stop us. If you're going to be a specialist, it doesn't mean you only know one language or exactly. you only know one thing. You should, you should really endeavor to learn a lot more outside your preferred box, per se. Yeah, I, I was privileged actually to talk to the CTO of Medim and uh, he's a civil engineer. <laughs> Yeah. That that hit me, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's the like that's the beauty of tech, you know. People in different fields are leveraging the power of tech and using it and creating solutions for themselves, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of reaching out and finding different problems that we have all over the world, you know. And he's, you know, I I, I chatted with him for like uh, for like ten minutes, and he's a really cool guy. We talked about using. Um, GIS and um, different softwares yeah. and you know we talked some projects I don't think I can talk about them now maybe I can like mention the um, natural disasters yeah. Oh, yeah so like predicting natural disasters with like um, mapping software and GIS that was something I was really excited about talking to you about and, and that stuff they're already doing and he talked about how they work with like the Ministry of uh, lands and supply. That's it's lands and supply, right? I think it's just lands. Then uh, oh, that's works and supply. supply. Okay, yeah. yeah, my bad. The Ministry of Lands and no need to manually go out and survey. They just have this software that does it all for them. So no need for like cartographers and map makers. And yeah. it's really important for a country like Zambia because we really don't know how much we have in terms of land. Yeah. And if we're going to like use all that, um, you know, all those resources we have. We have to know where they are. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it kind of uh, circles back to uh, Uber going to Kenya and uh, the Matatav. Yeah. Yeah, like there's there's all these things. You identify a need. How much are we doing as individuals? Like it was basically a challenge. Like look within yourself, see how much more you can give and just step out and try. Don't be afraid to try. It felt like all the presentations were kind of interlinked in a lot of ways. We had uh, presentations on microservices, on uh, DevOps. Uh, we had um, ethics as well. Uh, basically, trying to encourage people to learn the stuff we usually ignore as developers, especially if you're a developer trying to uh, release a product onto the market. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of ethics and boundaries we often overstep, and it's important that we are reminded what we need to do to protect ourselves and to protect. By by far the the client was very important, yeah. so it's it's uh, was it was really interesting. I I really enjoyed it, and I hope next year's will be absolutely amazing. Next year's will definitely be much much better, especially with all the all the you know all the talks people had on um, on building like communities and just getting more people to join like the ecosystem, the tech ecosystem in Zambia and building that, which which like reminds me, I'm sorry I know we're supposed to talk about this. But like I'll bring it early. So like the Inspirathon we had, right? Yeah. So like just all these events, like encouraging people to start coding and taking up tech related uh, endeavors in high school or yeah. as early as possible, even in primary school. And I think now you can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Inspirathon was basically uh, an initiative um, that we that that we had on the tenth of November. So this this was basically to encourage more high school students to. Uh, take up an interest in, to be honest, not only programming but anything tech related, anything, yeah. anything that allows them to be a little more creative around solving problems, even in their schools. And uh, we we got to sit down with these guys and find out what their challenges are within school, how they feel about their curriculum and what they feel like is lacking, and we got a good sense of what we could do to actually 
uh, help them out as well. We have a lot of events in the tech space that we have that we host at specific venues, most like most mostly defined. We never really step out of those venues and follow these guys. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's one avenue which we feel like could be a really good platform for them to be encouraged to kind of step step into this realm, I guess. Yeah. You know, like you know, as a like a community builder, what I loved about Inspirathon was the fact that we reached out to these people, and I think, I think, like based off the people I talked, to, we had a really good like demographic, and you know, we had people from everywhere, all walks of life. And this past week, a lot of people, a lot of people I've been talking to have told me, and we've just you know discussed how people craft solutions mm-hmm. that they dream of instead of crafting solutions that will actually make an impact on people. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we reached out to these people, um, these students, we asked them exactly how, you know, how we can help. We asked them exactly what problems they face. And like now we have like a proper image of the way forward in terms of what we can do to actually like, grow the ecosystem. I, that's, that's, I think that's the thing I love most about the Inspired Fund. Yeah, going they- forward, I'm, I'm really excited about, about like the impact we can have. Uh, for working with. You know, it's 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 interesting, huh? I guess we could get into it now. Our our discussion today, like we're having a conversation. You know, guys, it's unscripted. We don't script this stuff. We just have conversations. Yeah. We're talking about communities, right? Yeah. Building communities. There's um there's a lot of misconceptions around it. Um, I think some people think it's easy. It's not others easy. others not so much. But the, we're here to like shed more light on it, I guess. Yeah. So we could actually start with Inspathon. Um. Let's kind of double back. Yeah. Like sure. in in your community, right? In your environment, do you have any communities like on campus that actually help people like get into the space or encourage them to leverage on their skills and stuff? Okay. Let me just like give a brief uh, summary or introduction of what my community does. So uh, I'm a college student, and I'll be very, I'll be very frank about this. It's my very honest opinion that college sucks, really. And if you really want to like do anything in the programming or tech space, and really you have to branch off of like um, college and like the stuff they teach you. Mm-hmm. In my specific case, and really it's it's the case for everyone in my field yeah. and in my college doing the same thing. That um, you, you see what people are doing out there. And you see what you're doing. You feel like there's this huge gap, and what we were, what what our aim is really is to bridge that gap, and give students an opportunity to learn, interact, and be on par, you know, with like the world. So that's what we're doing. So like that was the goal of our community. So uh, what we have is like workshop sessions, hackathons, uh, on on like a two week basis. That's the plan. But like implementation is much harder with things like exams and you know yeah, and people's interest comes, yeah. comes into play and then it goes back to what you were saying people think building communities is easy so you have hardships and you have an event like you have an event and like 100 150 people come and you're like okay cool we're doing really well then you know you're like okay you're going on you try and go on with that momentum the next event only like 50 people come and you're like what happened and then it goes it goes back also just getting feedback and asking people and creating solutions that people uh, you know, who actually use and asking them like, what's wrong? What can we do to make things better for you? Mm-hmm. What's the best solution you think uh, would that would help in this case? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when we talk about, um, like, I like I like what you just said about uh, uh, having really sort of like an up down 
mm. uh, graph on attendance. Because like sine wave. Yeah, right. Like it's never consistent, and uh, I guess this is kind of preempting the discussion. But uh, you have situations where people register for an event, but they don't show up. For example, you could have a hundred registrations and only like twenty people, thirty people, you know, show up. And sometimes you find this is a limited event, like you have specific spaces available. So people are RSVP but still don't show up. And sometimes you could have a hundred people come and the one one month. Next month you could have a hundred people, but different from like the previous hundred people yeah, that exactly. came. Like the consistency sometimes is, is really an issue. Would you say you've had that kind of challenge as well? Yeah, so I've had that challenge. So something we have is um, for us it's not really it's not a really big challenge because it's mostly school events. So like we tr- we were actually working on like branching out from just our school and like helping out the other schools in our locality. So what what we had is we'll have people come, and I think like fifty percent would be new faces, and then we're like, okay, what happened to the other people? And then you know it goes back to feedback, and then maybe people just didn't like people just didn't vibe with our you know. Yeah. With, with all with the stuff we're giving them or they just weren't interested anymore. It goes back to priorities again like we were talking about the other day. And and but the important thing is that you have to like have at least thirty percent of people coming back and having you know, those regular people <coughs> regular attendees rather. And like you talked about um like hundred people registering and then only like twenty show up. So that happens a lot and it uh it, it there's like many ways to combat that and uh, one one thing people do is they make their events paid but being a student community that's something we can't do mm-hmm. so really we've just been trying to emphasize on how specific events will affect or have a positive effect on their careers yeah. and I think that had a really good turnout because it's some feedback I got from someone actually. Like I will really like feedback is really really important. Always get feedback. Don't be afraid of feedback. Mm-hmm. So I just had a chat with someone. We just did it in the corridor, right? And he was like, "Okay, so I heard about this event you're having, but what what good do it have on 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 my career, right? Like I don't think you're telling that to people." Yeah. And I thought about that because previously what we we'll do when we have an event, we'll just roll it out on like the WhatsApp groups and. Maybe like uh, two days before, we'd go into like classes and like, mm-hmm. tell people about what's going on, and we change that way. We still go into classes, but like we explain more. We spend like five minutes telling people um, what uh, the workshop or the session will cover, how it will benefit them, what skills they'll earn, or and, like you know mm-hmm. how how it how it can help them improve themselves and really just make them seem or make them feel like they're more employable, they have more value added to themselves. So it's important to do that. And I think that's a solution we've had to the low turnout, but high registration. Okay. So Daniel, tell me a little bit more about the actual communities you're involved in. Like I know we've been, we've been saying to uh, student uh, communities and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, do we have, is this one whole community throughout the whole entire campus? Yeah, I'd call it that. And it's really branching out. I think I mentioned we're like expanding towards like other um, other campuses and trying to you know do the same thing and just finding out if they have the same problem and then if they do, we integrate our solution there also. So um, I'm I'm a part of a few other communities. So there's the Google Developer Groups in uh, in Baroda. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of that also. I think that's really what got me into community. 
and um, like of the, that's that's offline communities. Online communities, I'm I think we're part of so many communities we don't even realize it. I mean, like your class WhatsApp group is a community. <laughs> so like yeah, so I yeah, left a uh, group long time ago. I might have a community. <laughs> yeah. Which like your high school or like your college? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> yeah, high school and everybody used that one. So so yeah, like I feel like offline communities really um like because of the person to person interaction, usually they have like the more the more visible out like uh, effect on you okay. and like like I don't know if I, we have time to talk about this but like the Google Developer Group personally is like what it, it gave me like the whole concept of community and we like I just started going to meetups and I don't think anyone else was like really doing this there it's just 30 people no less than that yeah somewhere there. it started like two years ago it started around 30 people in a small room just talking about tech talking about um Probably you know, Google I/O. Yeah, so we, we have stuff like that. And stuff like that. The Chrome yeah. event, the Chrome Dev Summit, the TensorFlow Summit, and it started out as that, just meeting up, and then you start to see how how many opportunities come up yeah. when you're part of such communities. So that's really how I got into like public speaking and speaking in tech. And my first thing was at I think a TensorFlow Extended event. I talked about Twitter sentiment analysis. And then from then on, you just, you know, you just start, oh, you, you enjoy it. So you start looking out for more opportunities. More opportunities, yeah. And I was really, you know, I was really honored to, like, speak at the DevFest in front of, I think, about 350 people. Mm-hmm. Three, I, I really don't remember, but it was a lot of people. And it's, as a student, it's something I can say, like, it, the people I was talking to are, like, professionals. And, and it's, you just have that feeling, like, okay, wow, I did this. And and it's a goal I had because, like I mentioned, it was two years ago, right? Yeah. So, I uh, attended my first Dev Fest in 2017. I was, I was just amazed, really, at you know, so many people, like same vibe, same goals, same stuff they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, they love the same stuff. They want to do the same things, and you you just you know you feel comfortable around those people, and that's really the essence of community. So. Like going towards that, like I saw those people giving amazing sessions. I was like, wow, how are these people doing this? Mm-hmm. And like, and then I had, you know, I couldn't speak in public. I was like this shy, timid person, and you know, yeah. I'd, I'd never stand in front of a group of people. The struggle with development. Yeah, but then I just said to myself, next year that has to be me. I have to be like, you know, I have to be up there saying something and talking to people and sharing what I love. So, the next year, I was a speaker. I was talking about um, jumping onto the JavaScript Express. JavaScript being a language I only started to learn six months before. So <laughs> that was, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm, I'm really a part of so many other communities. I mean, GitHub as a community also, I'm a part of that. I mean, everyone, probably everyone who is on GitHub is part of that community. So that, yeah, online communities are really huge. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Um, yesterday at DevCon's yeah. Dev so yeah leveraging developer communities and yeah. advancing your career and it's interesting you know you listed a lot of communities yeah, I, I feel like I, I know all those platforms mm-hmm. I'm a part of maybe five or six of them mm-hmm. um, and I guess I'm most active on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it can get really toxic sometimes so no, I Instagram like, is um, winning I'm doing a lot of Instagram no, you, know, way, you can't keep hyping your Instagram <laughs> like, but I do agree that uh-huh. it's actually happening, and I'm thinking about reopening mine. Mm-hmm. Like I closed down mine, and um, 
I don't know. I just feel like there's too many platforms. You yeah, know, okay. Really keep track of. It's, it's true. You can have like too many platforms. So, so like, you know what I do is, I think I mentioned already that like I'm a dev advocate and really like you have to build that online profile, right? And you have to look at new ways of reaching out to new people. New people. Especially when you talk about um, like our, our, our goal of, you know, getting more people into this tech ecosystem in Zambia and in Africa mm. as a whole. So like on Instagram, really, that's where you'd say, uh, quote, people waste their time, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at how you can add value to people. So like on my Instagram, I, I do stuff like tutorials and I like live stream some coding and just give advice. I like people ask me questions, like how to get started in this, how to take up programming. Mm-hmm. And just like, if you check out like my post, it's not just like posting, just like read, read the captions and you're just looking at how you can add value to people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the point of these platforms, you know, you just have to really look at how best you can reach out to the people who are on that platform. On that platform, yeah. So yeah, I did mention a lot of platforms, but I feel like, I feel like that's that's one that, as developers, we should really be looking at. I remember we had a conversation a few months ago, and I was telling you about my decision to kind of step away from, um, uh, well, not really step away, but to kind of get into more advocacy work. Yeah. And um, I don't think I ever told you what the motivation was. It was because I joined a particular Slack group called Software Engineering Daily. I don't know if you've heard of it. What is it? Uh, Software Engineering Daily. Yeah, the podcast. Uh, well, they have a podcast. Yeah, but they have a Slack group as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can, I can, I can show you. So like, if you you're pretty much in a group full of other developers from different spheres, like even diff, even engineers from Google across the world. Mm-hmm. And I actually had the privilege of um, talking to a couple of guys. I talked to a guy from uh, Nigeria, a guy from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when I was preparing for. Uh, one of the four loop talks I was giving on uh, the advantages and um, uh, career opportunities in developer evangelism and how people should actually think about sharing more of their work, telling stories mm-hmm. and um, uh, just pretty much telling, pretty much talking about how they started. I yeah. feel like sometimes we neglect our own stories and we realize that if we told our own story, it would inspire someone, maybe even more than one person. I have a favorite saying, and um, uh, I think it's by Miro Rukaiser. Mm-hmm. You know, I know who that is. Oh, <laughs> please pretend away. <laughs> so, like this, 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 this saying basically, and I'm not gonna quote it word for word, but it basically talks about how the world is made up of atoms, right? Mm-hmm. But think of these atoms as tiny stories. Okay. So if each atom is a story, it means the world is pretty much built around around stories. Around yeah. stories. Yeah. So if you think of yourself as an atom or as an individual that's part of this world, you have your own story. Exactly. And you have an influence with your story. So it's very important for you to be very vocal about what your story is and you learn from yourself and other people as well. You know, you know, I love that you touched on stories. So, so like, I was having a chat with a really good friend of mine in in, in a cafe back uh, back in India, and we're just talking about. I was asking him like, okay, so he's just like, I'd call him Instagram popular. <laughs> so yeah, he, we're just chatting about. You know, I was like, okay, so why do you do Instagram? Why do you do all that? And really, he says, you know, whenever you do anything, you have to look at why you're doing it, right? And and like my my social media activity really instagram especially is is like like you said it's really telling a story 
So, like, I've had like the privilege of talking to so many people around the world and uh, interacting with different people and being part of so many communities, and it's really an issue that we don't face when we're in, in like like home. When you're home, you don't really face um, being an outsider or being a minority, really. Mm -hmm. And being an international student in a foreign country, you are a minority. Yeah, definitely. And with minorities, people start to feel, I mean, the word minority makes you feel inferior already. Yeah, definitely. So people need to get past that and people need to know that there's more to, you know, to what you can do. And it's something that I, I was just chatting with someone and I was, I was telling him to do something and I was like, no, I can't do this because like, I'm in Zambia and I was like, no, you need to look past that, you know, you don't let where you are or your geographic location limit what you can do. And or like your skin color, really, you shouldn't let all that like limit your dreams and what you can go for. And that's really like what I do with my Instagram because not many people do that. Not many people know that there's there's this really there's there's okay. I'll, I'll put it bluntly. There's this black guy who does this, mm -hmm. right? And it's something that reached out to me. It, it 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 really touched me because there's been a few times where like. People in my situation have reached out to me and they've been like, Dan, like Daniel, I'm really grateful for what you're doing because you're showing people that there's more to us than what they think is, what they think is there, right? Yeah. And you're really just giving us something to look up to and, you know, someone, something to, you know, a goal or a vision to, you know, mm -hmm. and say that, okay, we can do this also because he's done it also. Yeah, and I feel like that's a really big problem that we have in, in Zambia specifically. We don't have people, we don't have people to look up to for the youth and that's why we have all these problems that they have you know uh, all these problems people talk about uh, mm -hmm. yeah so that's yeah it's just tell your story and like be be someone people are afraid of being someone people look up to mm -hmm. and you have to get past that because really. people are afraid of making mistakes but that's the thing you are humans and when you realize that um, that people that people everyone is human and that's something like I've I've discovered uh, with, with developers especially. See, um, you see many tweets like, "Oh, I have been coding for 15 years and I still Google how to how to do this in this language, right?" Yeah, and, and the and, most common one is how to put your HTML structure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, even like yeah, even for something like people think Git is really hard, right? Mm -hmm. And you see people googling Git commands, and they've been like in the in like in like the ecosystem for like 20 years. That's why I love the cheat sheet, man. Like, <laughs> and I'm I'm referring to it daily. Oh, which reminds me, I actually have a lot of cheat sheets uh, still available, like a whole pack. Yeah, you should do a giveaway. Or yeah, I'll do a give an online giveaway for cheat yeah. sheets and stickers and stuff. Yeah, talk to him. He'll give you some cheat sheets. They're really cool and really helpful. But but yeah, going back to that, really, it, it's more about letting people know, like, like what's how how things actually are, because. A lot of things when you're watching from the distance, they seem, they seem like they aren't the way they seem they are. Like Cynthia was talking about imposter syndrome when she was in the room with Jeff Dean, and you know, mm -hmm. Jeff Dean probably goes through the same thing uh, before he gives a talk, yeah. and he has, you know, like you know, oh my gosh, so many people, and really, if 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 someone like you know Cynthia, the way so many people look up to her has this problem and she tells people that okay I have this problem and it's something it's it's normal you just need to get past it it breaks down a lot of barriers that people think uh, tech have like people go about saying stuff like tech is hard how do you manage to do this it's not easy 
there's problems, but there's solutions also, and people should make people aware of these solutions. And that's the importance really of telling stories and telling honest stories. Yeah, definitely. And on that on that inspirational note, take a break. <laughs> Here's some ads. Sure. See you guys on the other side. You're listening to Codecast Zambia, brought to you by Agora Code. We are growing the community of developers across Zambia, one line of code at a time. Visit agoracode.community for more information, or like us on Facebook, at Code Agora. We're on Twitter too, at Code Agora. I'm Daniel Piri, community lead and developer advocate, and you're listening to Codecast Zambia. Uh, so welcome back. Uh, I'm with Daniel today, and we're talking about uh, developer communities really across the world. We haven't really... Zero really yeah, we haven't really zeroed in on any communities just yet, and I, I guess we could get into that now. Um, I put out a tweet a few months ago because I recently started following a lot of Nigerian developers, mm-hmm. and I was very interested in the ecosystem. I wanted to find out why Nigeria is growing so fast, and the rest of Africa is kind of like chasing Nigeria, and I came up with two theories. One is they have a lot of people. They're like <laughs> 17 million of people. Course, yeah. I mean, that kind of helps you. In Zambia, we have like, what, 17 million now? Yeah, 17, and 17, there's, there. there's, there's largely no access to, like proper access to, in, oh, let, me, no, let me not say access. There's, there's, um, there's a pricing issue with internet access. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually present in a lot of areas in the country, but yeah. then access is the issue. Price, I know our data bundles went down like by 75% recently, mm-hmm. is it 70%. And it kind of boils down to, again, priorities and so on and so forth. So um, I, I came across a few, a few developers and I put out tweets about it. I'm, I'm really fascinated by how countries like Kenya, Rwanda and are making so, so many strides in the tech industry. And I realized, okay, communities are growing fast. Mm-hmm. And because communities are growing fast, it means there's a lot of ideas. And when a lot of ideas uh, come out into the open, it means they're tested. And when they're tested, it means we kind of find... You get validation for, validation for all the ideas. You look at whether you can implement them and yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, like, it got me thinking, like, growing tech communities across Africa will basically push us, uh, push the continent, like, into a digital revolution, basically. Mm-hmm. It will change mindsets, it will change how we do business, it will change how we perceive certain things. Like, I remember making a comment yesterday about how when you get into programming and how it teaches you this logical thinking, like you always find yourself breaking down problems into like, <laughs> yeah. depending on what kind of programmer you are, like mm-hmm. you have a particular way to address problems now and so on and so forth. So this is, this is like the, the, the kind of ripple effect that comes from growing more communities, right? Mm-hmm. And when I looked at it, I found not only do they have a lot of people, but they also have a lot of other things in their favor. Yeah. Like, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, like policy, like government and whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of policy change has kind of has um, helped, has helped growth, yeah. the growth. I mean, they still grew without the policy, but mm-hmm. the policy kind of it's gave it a lot more push mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And it kind of got me thinking about um, what we're doing here. What drives policy change? When they see the need for it, like to really see the need, they will definitely make the change. And it comes from what we talked about. We... We don't rely on them. Exactly, yeah. I think it's it's important just to get started and then get going and just start seeing even just that small bit of change, right? And then they'll look at it and they'll be like, okay, I think this could be far, far much better, you know, if we chipped in and, you know, changed a few things. It's interesting because I was talking to Regina at, at the conference the other day and she, she was saying, yeah, um, definitely if something... I was telling about the... The, the thing we the thing for the high school students mm-hmm. that we're planning, uh, not planning that we will do. <laughs> I'll be very optimistic about that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, 
I was telling about that. I was like, okay, if this is to work, we need a lot of stuff to change. You know, with like the curriculum and the way we, the way we teach students and the way we tell, and just what we tell them is possible. You know, mm -hmm. it's really really important that we, we get something like that going, and it's a mindset change. I forgot who we're with. Um, yeah, okay, that's another person. I don't think you're there. <laughs> so yeah, he was telling me about um, some stuff I was telling, uh, I was sharing, and he said if stuff like this is going to work out. It really goes down to like changing the mindset, you know, of everyone, and just even just the lowest denominator, and showing them like there's so much more possible, and you shouldn't limit yourself. Yeah, you know, I just looked up something, and I just realized Nigeria has 182 million people, yeah. and um, half the country are under 30. So you've got what 91 million people under 30. Can you imagine? I mean, that's like <clears throat> three or five, six times what. <laughs> what our population is as a whole, yeah. and you find that it's the same, it's the same ratio here. I mean, we have seventeen million people, but mm -hmm. we have about the same ratio in terms of how many young people we actually have, and it kind of leads us into um, the different communities that we have here. Like um, maybe we could, uh, we could get into that as well. Just mm -hmm. kind of, you spent some time here, obviously. Uh, you've grown up here. You just went to school in India. Mm -hmm. Like from the time you left mm -hmm. and now. What would you say is the, like the biggest difference in terms of community and growth? I think it's hard to to say that because like before I left, um, no idea. What I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I was I was I was in India, but I was watching like from afar and seeing like all these communities come up. So I've seen I've seen Agora, I've seen Agora come up. Uh, I've seen. A few GDG events, although it's gone quite, uh, quite quiet, quite quiet yeah. yeah. And I've seen stuff like developer circles, Facebook developer circles, and um, there's a hackers guild also. Uh, I think I'm forgetting one. There's a, uh, a second network. Well, yeah, yeah second network also really. I, I love what they're doing. Uh, and for loop has just come also. Yeah. And I feel like all these, all these communities really are pushing for something. But like you said, if you look at our population, we've got like 17 million people and more than half of that are youth. And just Africa as a whole, in general, has like the highest youth population in the world. And like by 30, 2030, I think, I don't remember the exact figure, but okay, it's a really big number, but we have a lot of youth, you know, mm -hmm. in, like a long, in like 10, 15 years. And it's important that we... We use those youth to do like the right stuff and propel ourselves to where we where we need to be, as a continent and as a country, and these communities really need to focus on the beginning and like you know where things start. I mean, despite uh, you can't focus on everyone first of all, so they have their professionals or like stuff like for loop. We do meetups for professionals, people who are already in tech and people who are already you know programming. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That's why I, I mentioned the Sikana Network and Hackers Guild because I love that they're reaching to children, and and they're telling them and they're teaching them how to do certain things. Because at the end of the day, those are the people who you know continue Grow. and yeah and continue and run the ecosystem. Because if you're talking about ecosystem change, it's not something that happens in five years. It, it takes it, time. Yeah, yeah, it takes quite a long time, and you need to reach out to those first. Yeah, and I remember my motivation for. Um, for getting into this or getting into the whole community thing as a whole was because 
for a long time I, I tried to work in isolation but it never really helped me yeah. um, I started stuff but never actually finished because I couldn't find the right information you know the internet sometimes can be a really big place yeah. especially yes. if you have no idea how to you find you can't find resources <laughs> yeah. that you actually need to help push whatever it is that you're, you're getting into and I had that challenge a lot uh, and I know we tell this story all the time when uh, we get called to like meetups or whatever talk about how we started um, when when we started, we weren't even thinking about a community. Mm-hmm. We were thinking more of a marketplace. Yeah, like we were thinking e-commerce and all that stuff. Sure. But then, because of the challenges we had, it kind of drove us to thinking about the community aspect. Like, look, um, we're trying to build a business, for example. Yeah. But then, what good is uh, a tech company if you find it difficult to Very get sure. good help? Yeah, for example. Uh, it kind of factors into the outsourcing issue as well. Yeah, like we I really we don't that. want to outsource, we want to get from within. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to help ourselves? And that's where it all started. It was like, what can we do to help? Okay, so we can start like a feeder. You know, we thought about the, the, the football club system. You have a feeder club that yeah, gives you players. Exactly. So, like, so you start like from high school and then like feed... Um, the programmers and then they exactly. start up like internships in like local startups, local companies. Then like exactly. they graduate and then they become like full time developers. Exactly. And it's like it's it's local. It's, it's, it's one whole thing is mm. it's 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 starting with the people around you and getting them to appreciate what good work is, yeah. and then uh, letting them find opportunities. Like like I said, it started with us looking for people that could work for us. Sure. But then end up realizing, oh, well, we'll train all these people, but to, in truth, not all of them will work for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how do we get them to to find their kind of footing in, in the world, basically? So when I think about that and I think about now, like we have a startup space that's growing really, really fast. Yeah, we have amazing. so many people going through Bonghai startup program now. And I discovered I went through that also. You went through that as well, right? Yeah. And there's actually a lot of other organizations doing the same thing. Yeah. And you know, you're looking at all these people and you're like, okay, you guys are tech-centered, but who are you hiring as your developers really? Yeah, and, they, and they, they outsource mostly because I understand there's like a problem with getting... Uh, quality, yeah, first of all. Yeah, quality and... They're not really reliable, also, I would say, and that's I think that's the important thing we need to do, like you know target and build and encourage that culture of um, reliability and accountability yeah. for all the work and ethics also. I love that I uh, during the uh, conference people touched on yeah. ethics also, and really when you take that tag off the Zambian developers, you see like everything, the ecosystem. You know, you talked about synergy. Mm-hmm. and how everything works out. So we yeah. have these communities um, making and, you know, what I'd say, building developers. Mm-hmm. And then you have these startups hiring them and keeping them engaged. And then it, 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 all, it all, you know, it creates a market for them and it, it's like an incentive for these communities to keep doing what they're doing. Because mm-hmm. I understand most of them are non-profit. Yeah, it actually reminds me of... Um, it reminds me of a lot of things that I've... I think... I think this is why I feel like the conference was so important, and this is why I'd like to encourage everybody to um, get involved in online communities, in local communities, because you know you learn so much. You learn you learn things that you wouldn't have that you wouldn't have figured out if you were on your own. Like there's so much perspective that comes from 
uh, being in a space mm -hmm. uh, with other people that kind of enjoy similar things that you do, like like minds, like mm -hmm. like you, uh, like you said, it's, it's a vibe, really. Like mm -hmm. when yeah. it's a vibe, you you know, yeah, you're free. You, yeah, you, exactly. you, the limit, the, there's no limits. It's 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 just it's borderless. You, and, you know, no judgment, no, you know, no prejudice. It's just free space, free ideas. Everyone's everyone's vibing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. And, and that's that's when like the best content the best you know ideas come up when you're free and you know you're in your right headspace yeah and uh, i just remember that the reason i actually spoke about this is because when i was doing some research for the full launch when i was doing my talk on evangelism i, I had um i talked to a guy but he was really helpful like he he kind of he works at ingressive it's like um <coughs> it's a market entry firm for global businesses and investment groups mm -hmm. so sometimes when they're looking that when they're looking for um, talent and founders and whatever, they go through campuses as well. Like yeah. people, people. If I understand what they do correctly, it's really venture capitalism on a different from a diff, taken from a different angle. So you're looking for the talent, you're looking for the co-founders, you're looking for the startups, uh, and you're basically matching them with like potential investors and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, it's 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 really important to create that synergy because that's not possible without the the entire ecosystem working together at some level anyway sure. and we need all these bridges that kind of fit together to help everybody find their space i guess you should look it up um aggressive yeah yeah aggressive and yeah i think it's 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 really important like you said uh when you look at what these communities are doing and the whole you know the whole ecosystem and it it, it will fuel growth really if you look at so many people complaining about stagnation, with um, economic growth, and everyone's complaining about the government and what not, you know, just you know, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. So yeah, like you know, that's that's like the, the power of you know, of these communities and and tech as a whole, you know, the effect it can have on people's lives, on countries, on you know, on so much, and. Uh, I, I said I wouldn't talk about this, but <laughs> like, like it's 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 it goes back to you know building not just communities but building inclusive and you know welcoming communities where people are free to share all these ideas, and you know like the Campus Expert program for me, like the GitHub Campus Expert program, really just uh, it helped me look at at communities from a different perspective. Yeah. Because at first when I got into community, I was just I was a member, not just a member, because I don't want to diminish the value of being a member of a community. Because really, a community is just a member. But when you see like the bigger picture of the effect people can have, uh, of the, the effect communities can have on people's lives, you you start to really um, have motivation really to just grow more and try and reach out to more people. I gave this talk at the Campus Expert Summit, looking at the bigger picture mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, how all this community work affects different people around, you know, yeah. and it's, it's like, you know, a domino effect. So, like, it's just one small action you do that affects another person and, you know, it, it goes down and there's so many things that, that, that work out just because of something small that you've done or just this small meetup you had. Yeah. And if we if we really talk about because we've spoken about a lot of things, um, mm. and when I when we zero down on well when we zero in on the actual problems with growing communities like on the local industry, 
Um, now I'm, I have this thing in my head and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, because this relationship, like, uh, I'm, I'm so lucky to have someone like Cynthia, you know, around, even mm-hmm. on the podcast, because there's so much, there's so much she says. I don't know if she realizes it, but there's so much she says. That, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really love that talk on imposter syndrome. Yeah, definitely. And even at Inspathon, you know, when she mm-hmm. talked about um, it being a two-way, two-way streak, mm-hmm. um, two-way street, and um, you know what? I feel like I, well, I feel like we give so much as communities right now. We're giving a lot. We're giving so many opportunities. True. But are people willing to take the opportunities? Yeah. And, you know. Um, I think if it's uh, um, hash code, you have an opportunity to go to. I think last year was Paris, yeah. you know, to take part in like the final round of the competition, and this could literally put you on the map. And when you really think about it, even though hash code is kind of directed towards like engineers mostly, mm-hmm. it's still the same problems we go through on a daily basis. If you're an engineer, you know, algorithms and data structure problems. Exactly. Like I remember, twenty seventeen hash code is when I really, really got into how YouTube actually works and distributes, like, mm-hmm. content mm-hmm. across the world. I actually re- I actually learned how stuff is trending in one part of the world, but people on the other side have no idea what's going on, you know? True. Like, it's really, yeah. it's really interesting. And um, when you zero down on it, you realize the problem is actually, um, or the, the challenge is actually quite simple if you know what you're doing. And to, truth be told, a lot of people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They just don't attend meetups. They just don't. They don't make the effort to. I think, I think it's they don't realize the value of everything of of these you know of these meetups, mm-hmm. which which um, it could be that people are not putting it out there properly. Like you know the communities aren't saying okay, doing this would affect you in this in way, this way, mm-hmm. and would give you all these opportunities, or it's just people people don't have like their priorities set to that. Mm-hmm. They want something else from for their lives, and you really can't force people to attend your meetups if they don't want to. If they don't want to, and it's up to you to show them the value. Yeah, I guess. and and those are the problems that you know. You can't. What, what's that saying? You can you can take a horse to the river, but you can't make it drink. Water. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I have no idea how to get past that. It's really something we need to think about. Mm. I don't know. I feel like it's still a mindset change that's needed. Yeah. I'm not, it's it's tough really because you know you have all these opportunities one thing that really hit me also so like uh, at, at DevCon Regina talked about all these opportunities all these scholarships that yeah, have, yeah. and then all of them are just they just you know no one takes no them one up bothers, yeah. no one applies and and some of them are going now because like you know it's something that, that would help you out but it's like people don't even want to be helped yeah, and you know, the thing is, it also goes back to um, how we have a lot of people with ideas, right? Mm-hmm. That are waiting for funding or um, all these things just to get going. I think I had a revolution. should have been 2017. Um, I, 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 I get so busy. Like, 9 to 5 and outside, yeah. like, extra activities are really difficult to, like, balance and everything. Very cool. So you may not have as many opportunities. I feel so bummed. Like, there's a lot of times there's... Um, the particular meetups that I want to attend, but they're during the week and mm-hmm. during working hours. And I'm yeah. like, crap, I can't attend this. I wish. I wish, you know, I wish. And then there's people out there that have all the time in the world. You could even live next door to the venue that's having the event. I guess it goes back to what you're talking about. You know, you can take a horse to the river, but you can't force it to drink. It's interesting. It's, um, 
when we're dealing with people, there's a different dynamic. And uh, the mindset, obviously, is the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said earlier about feedback, feedback being important. I guess maybe there's, there's an extra step we could take as communities to kind of figure out what the needs exactly are right now in this instant. One of the issues that I found most about organizing meetups is sometimes you get people that have no idea what programming is or coding or even using a computer in general is. Yeah. So you'll find yourself teaching the basics of the computer first before you can even teach the programming. And it goes back to having a lot of patience, mm-hmm. like being patient with people. And I like what Regina said. Some people don't really learn if you have slides in, in front of them. You, you have to kind of figure out a different way to communicate effectively and so on and so forth, which is really yeah so like really important I, I like what you said about you know like you know not, like some people you don't even have to use slides just speak to them i think it's important to first look at the problem secondly look at who the problem affects and then you know get get it from their mouths and say okay this is exactly what the problem is and this is how it's affecting me and then you create a solution based off what you've been told not based on what you assume what and you I think I touched on this earlier it, like you know like we like from the Inspirathon we had people say stuff like um, uh, I don't even have a computer so how do I even start with with programming right mm-hmm. so why would you like you know give someone internet like if they don't even have a computer yeah. I think like the solution is internet but they don't even have a computer so yeah. you know so I think it's 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 very specific problems for very specific people that we have and if we start to build communities and first target the community's problems before we you know we start to give them content or you know give them solutions if the communities that come up uh, like target people specific people not people in general Mm -hmm. and start solving small problems the bigger problem as a whole start to you know Will start to disappear so i feel it's really important that we do that for future communities that come up and for communities that currently are you know running find uh, a demographic target that demographic solve their problems and basically you know, work from yeah, there don't don't be too general in short mm-hmm. it's okay to, to you know to do a small thing but in a great way mm-hmm. because i feel like there are people who want to like make change but people are always people want to like have the biggest impact Sometimes the biggest impacts come from the smallest actions. And then people need to know that. I feel like I should end the podcast on that note. <laughs> that's, 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 it would be the perfect note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we, we've covered a lot of stuff. And uh, I hope um, I hope we've spoken to a few people out there. I hope so. That will kind of get that motivation to get started in, the, in their own communities. So I say this every time, every every time before we have a global game jam event in Osaka, and I think uh, we took over. Uh, when I, I first attended my global game jam, my first global game jam event was in twenty fifteen. I think I was at Unza, right across the road, and um, by then Bongo Hive was uh, across the road as well, just from the main entrance, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 group that used to run uh, GD. GGJ in Osaka was, um, um, what are they called again? Uh, Ubongo Game Labs. Yeah. Uh, that's City and, uh, and them. And I really, I had fun. Like, I had so much fun. Um, and I remember City talking to me and Elias about it. And um, she was asking if we were willing to take over hosting the event on a yearly basis. 
And the same concern then is the same concern now. It's not a it's not a monopoly. It's not like we're the only people that can have uh, a game jam event in Osaka. Yes. It's pretty much open. Anybody can register a site, mm. and this is what we encourage everybody before we start. Like even when we start marketing the event and asking people to register, we we really push people to open sites in their areas wherever they are. Like we want a, a site on the gold belt. We yeah. want to be able to jam with people in the same country in different parts as well. Maybe. Maybe January, there's a really good possibility that we'll have two sites this year, yes. uh, Livingston and Lusaka, which which will be really, really, really fun. So it goes back to, I guess it goes back to, I guess, our cry as a uh, as a whole, like how many how many people are willing to get into it and be self-motivated and kind of push themselves to, you know? To do that. And I like that you mentioned that you want to have, like, you know, more sites. I feel like it's a huge problem we have here that everything is centered on Lusaka. On like, Lusaka. everything is happening in Lusaka. Yeah, which is really terrible because we've got so much talent in, you know, not not just talent, but even just potential talent in so many other places. So look at, um, you know, if at least every provincial capital had, you know, some ecosystem or some communities and, uh, you know, interacting and, you know, training and developing developers, I feel like everything would change and so much would change. Yeah. And that's a problem we should look at also. Reaching out to more places and trying and get them engaging. Because uh, having meetups only in Lusaka, I, mean, I think there's a few that are starting up in the Copper Belt, which is really amazing. Yeah, I think I spoke to a couple of guys early this year. I haven't heard from them since then though. Uh, I, I'll do a check on them just to see how they're doing. Uh, and uh, Maybe next year will be a really good year. Yeah. I, I'm, I I feel next year will be amazing. Because I think even at the conference, I love that, first of all, like all the communities like were there and present. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it would have been much, much better if we had more people from around the country yeah. coming here. And, you know, and I feel they didn't come because they don't exist. We don't have like those tech spaces in other parts of the country. Yeah. I think we need to... Um, we need to work need, on that. Yeah, we need to... We need to like disperse the, the the community talent and get people in other places. And going back to like you know talking about Nigeria and Kenya, so I don't know if you noticed it, but like they had the the Dev Fest, GDG Dev Fest. Yeah, I think so I noticed they, Kenyans. I didn't notice Nigerias though. They had the one in Nigeria, mm -hmm. uh, the one in Lagos, had like two thousand people. Mm -hmm. Two thousand Lagos, and the capital of Nigeria is starts with A. Yeah, Abuja. Wait. The capital Lagos of, isn't the capital of Nigeria. No, Lagos is not the capital of Nigeria. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, get this, get this. Shocked face. So GDG Lagos had 2,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, this weekend, the 27th, the 17th, mm -hmm. they had GDG Uyo, 1,000 people. That's just another city in Lagos, in Nigeria. And you see, they have so many, it, like, they don't have everything in a center, a central location. You know, they have people in different spaces so that they don't feel left out and they know that there's something going on there also. Yeah. So we really need to, you know, target different places and, you know, get people from all over. Who knows, we might have more people interested in, in like Solwezi or, you know, Chipata or Livingston, for example, in yeah, development. Definitely. So we really need to touch on like other areas and, you know, see what see what's happening that side and see what we can get started. Okay. And I guess on that note, we end today's podcast. It's been amazing. 
Yeah, it's been, it's been great. Mukuma is amazing to chat with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> demo of the we've had so many, you know, so many different conversations. conversations yeah. Yeah. And uh, the conversations will continue online. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, we'll probably stay in contact as much as possible. There's a lot to be done next year. Really? Yeah. And we'll, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think we had conversations about restructuring some of the models that we have around communities. Mm-hmm see if we can capture as many people as possible without segmenting the community space. Exactly. It's, re- it's really important not to do that. And, uh, and I feel like those, like the restructuring, which you need to make them replicable so that we can, like 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 I said, expand to like different areas. And also, you know, uh, on the segmenting, it's, it's okay to, you know, find a target. A niche. Yeah, a niche. Find your niche. And find people who you want to target and get attendees. So, you know, you know, you know, all fighting for the same people mm. and it's really important and i love the fact that all the communities really are sitting down and and working and, together yeah, i love that too yeah. and it's it's in, it's interesting that even the developer conference and this is why even in the final remarks right you have everybody at the front mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate because there were some more people in the crowd who should have been standing in the front yes. too and didn't even know they should have been standing in front because there was a lot of input from different communities from the beginning even from the survey yeah. up until the final day like so many communities that actually put in something which yeah. which was very humbling and uh, even up to now I, I feel like I still can't believe that we actually put it off which is which is, <laughs> yeah. which is really great it, it's it's history like like I think we, I, I told you about that like just look at everyone in the room and it's history being made at Unza mm, yeah. and it was amazing so I guess next year we'll look back and say that's where we started that's where we started so uh, this has been episode 5 of podcast and we really hope you enjoyed it. I had so much fun. Um, hoping uh, when we kick off in January, we'll have so much more content for you guys. And you will enjoy it as much as we do in the studio every time we sit here and um, we, we talk to people. It's unscripted. That's pretty much the best part. Um, we don't. You can tell from all my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really unscripted. We were all about honest opinions and telling it as it is, which for me is a great motivation to do what I do. Uh, so if you're trying to catch us, uh, we're on Twitter, we're Codecast. Um, we're not just on Facebook, but I guess we will eventually uh, as time goes on. Uh, if you want to catch me, I'm on pretty much almost every platform, including Instagram soon, again. <laughs> so on Twitter, that's Bones. If you want to catch me on GitHub and see what I'm doing, um, that's K9, K9 UMA. So that's K9 Uma. Facebook as well, that's Kenan Uma, and uh, what other platforms have I? Aish, too many, yeah? But hey, you catch one, you catch all of them, because I talk about them all, all the time. True. Let yeah. me plug my Instagram. <laughs> of course, please. So, like, mine, ahead. I'm not as complicated as Mukuma, so if you want to find me on anything, it's Malgambes, M-A-L-G-A-M-V-E-S, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Medium. I've been meaning to ask, what is Malgambes? Like, I've been trying <laughs> to figure it out, like... I, I, I feel like, I know what your middle name is, so I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, um, so, Malgambes. I already spelled it, I guess. Let me just do it again. M-A-L-G-A-M-V-S. So, it's something I came up with when I just got onto the internet. I think I was creating a Facebook account or a Gmail account. I wanted something really unique because, like, I typed Daniel Piri and I want, you know, it was like, this is not available. <laughs> so, I wanted something unique. And so, like, yeah, my middle name is Madaritso. And uh, I won't say my other name. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like a combination of all my names. And, like, I used to really like football. And uh, 
this is player Daniel Alves, right? Yeah. So, so like people used to call me Daniel Alves. I still play. I still do play like but like Loki. <laughs> so um, it's a combination of like a lot of names. So like Mandelitso, another name with G, <laughs> and then uh, Vez like from Alves from Daniel Alves. So that's. No, no, I'll, I'll ask you off here. <laughs> I need to know what it is. I don't know. Let's see who can guess what the name is. I guess so. But uh, I have I still have a lot of giveaways from the conference and from previous meetups. So if you are interested. Uh, just hit me up on Twitter. That's sour bones. Uh, that's sour underscore bones. I've got cheat sheets. I've got stickers. I've got a lot of other stuff I won't say right now. And uh, just follow me and stand a chance to grab your own. Yeah, I guess we could ship them around the country. We've got Musanga now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right, guys. It's been real. Codecast, we're out. You've been listening to Codecast Zambia brought to you by Girl Code. Visit agoracode.community for more information or like us on Facebook. That's at Code Agora. We're on Twitter too, at Code Agora.